That's not how we start it. How do we start? We start talking about book club stuff, like get your okay. wine and cheese. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to go? Blah, 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 blah. Those are pages <laughs> rustling. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Sounds like like someone who's never had sex before. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> you think that's like a mermaid virgin being like, I totally <laughs> fucked last night. You know, we did the old flip, 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 flip. <laughs> Wow. 30 seconds in and we've gotten way off topic. Should I close the window behind me? No, it's fine. Are you sure? That sounds loud as hell to me. People moving. love the sights and sounds of New York City. <laughs> okay. Now start the podcast. I don't understand how you live on a one-way street. That sounds like truly a nine-lane highway. I think a, I think an interstate highway would be cl- uh, would be quieter because introduce be the podcast before we talk more. I'm a book and she's a memoir. We're celebrity memoir book club. Is that how it goes? No, uh, okay, I'm Claire and I'm Ashley and, and this, this is, is celebrity, celebrity memoir, memoir book club. club. Hide your cheese. And grab your pens. We're spilling tea on cheese. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Is anyway, have us, we'll work on it. We're working on it. If you guys have suggestions, we're open. To we're always open to We've them. We've only been thinking about this podcast for nine months, but we have not had time to think about how it should start. Yeah. Well, I do think that starting the podcast is the least important part. It's about finishing strong. Podcasts are. <laughs> People love to give you the benefit of the doubt of 57 mer- minutes to hear you just call back at the end. Podcasts are a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> um, I will say for the, we were just listening to the beginnings of a bunch of podcasts and I guess I've never actually listened to a podcast before because I hear a lot of them like have a, like an introduction they do every time where they kind of describe what the podcast is. And you know, the thing about us is we're such marketing geniuses that we actually don't have to follow the, the template that most people have to follow because our intro is just the name. It's Celebrity Memoir Book Club. If you can't figure out what we're doing here, then you're a goddamn idiot. Get out of here. You're too, you're too stupid to read books. <laughs> you don't even deserve our insightful Can you even read? If you can't understand, can you read? Yeah, that's a good question. So anyway, should we get in to this week? Yeah, Claire, how would you title this week as a chapter of your memoir? I'd say moving in... Returning to the same. Interesting. Moving into my own home. Colin, <laughs> we're back where we started, but it's all different now. Dash. Lovely. <laughs> Here we are, right where we always knew we'd been. And that would be because this is the week that my boyfriend finally moved to the apartment. For those of you who are... Ooh. Thank you. Thank you. If you're listening for the first time, to you, you may say, what a normal, reasonable next step in a relationship. It is a pandemic. It probably made a lot of sense financially for both of you. Um, you have not been listening since March when I first had my first temper tantrum about this. <laughs> when I showed up to his apartment, casually entered, asked him if he would like to move in with me in June. He said, it's too soon. And then I went to the shower and scream cried. Um <laughs> I have been out there not socially distancing, not wearing a mask, coughing in elevators ever since to keep the pandemic alive until now when I have worn him down and finally made him realize it makes sense for us to live together. People say manifesting your dreams is bullshit, but Claire 
said them out loud every single day in his face while he slept. And boy, oh boy, did it finally come true. I said it backwards while he was sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) So that he would would get all mumble jumbled. I would put my voice through a translator app so he could hear it in French. (laughs) I sent it to him. And so he thought it was his own original idea. Um, I worked really hard. Not only did I work hard on getting him to move in, but I worked hard on the apartment. It was like a flex apartment. And so Mm -hmm. I had to take down a wall. It was a project where I was like, oh my God, I'm going to paint one weekend. It's going to be so cute. 19 days of like wiping down wall. You had to like strip the wall from its core. Yeah, it was awful. It turned out there was two layers of wallpaper that had been there for like truly a century. And I had to just take Windex to them and scrape them off with a little scraper. It took days and hours and it took a lot of fucking work, but we're there. You can no longer advertise it as an apartment with pre-war wallpaper. (laughs) Hidden and a little (laughs) surprise pre-war under the paint that you are looking at. Pre-war details, just the wallpaper. (laughs) (laughs) And just the sub wall wallpaper. There's the wallpaper, then there's another wall and then there's wallpaper. Um, but so yeah, I've been working on that and it's finally done. He's moved in. Um, it's almost the first of the month. So I guess any day now we'll find out how we're splitting rent. We haven't really officially talked to it in a way that involved numbers. <laughs> Interesting. I can't wait to hear how that goes. But I'm sure it'll go out good. I know that when you don't hammer out details, that's when things go smoothly because there's no bumpy edges. There's just general abstract ideas. I agree of- with that. If you put your exact hopes on an, if you put your hopes on an exact number then what if that number doesn't come true? But what if the outcome is still fairly reasonable? Well, I just meant mm-hmm. that like at some point we will, I guess, have to have a conversation. Like a number will be made. Sure. the landlord has put his number down hard. What if you guys both just write a number on a piece of paper and send in the checks? <laughs> and see if we still have a place to live. Yeah. That would be really funny. And then let the landlord handle it. What a passive aggressive way to handle rent. If he calls and is like, you guys underpaid by a thousand dollars. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been a lot, it's been exhausting. It's been a lot of work. It turns out moving an entire apartment that he's lived in for three years was like not just an afternoon. Interesting. But it's been fun. How, how was your week, Ashley? My week was good. What would you have called it chapter wise? I would call it chapter wise. I would call it the fun part, honestly. Can I just say, I feel like there is, um, Many stages in a relationship as well as many stages of being single. If you guys listen to the old podcast, you know about the lengthy saga. That was the end of my last relationship. And I do feel like even okay, though... Plug real quick that we will be doing a Patreon. And so if the old listeners who remember that we used to get ourselves fired from jobs, <laughs> broken up with by boyfriends for talking so much shit with first and last names and like company LLCs... If you guys remember those days, we have learned, and we are going to see keep divulging way too much information. But, but we behind are a paywall, behind a paywall. I'm so, sorry, <laughs> so that we don't lose our insurance. Um, please sign up for the Patreon. We will be doing bonus apps where we give all the juicy details of the bullshit nonsense that is our lives. Yes, I'm going to put it in the link in bio. And Ashley, even though she said she, her and her boyfriend were going to break up August first, they did not. So <laughs> please subscribe and find out what the fuck happened next because it's. You're going to want to hear it, even though it'll be exactly what you expected. (laughs) Um, Yes, it will be exactly as expected, but more. But just not to Ashley. Yeah. (laughs) Ashley was consistently surprised. I'm an idiot, okay? You guys, if you... Okay, can I just say, if you 
think that I'm not an idiot, you can't read. <laughs> or listen, because we've been screaming into these microphones. We've spent the last four years doing podcasts being like, have you heard of Dumber Girls? No. Um, anyway, so go back. So you're the Okay, so I would, cap- I would title this chapter the fun part because I do feel like at the end of a relationship, there is like that mourning period, even when like you're not, even when you don't want to be in that relationship anymore, it just like still kind of like sucks to be single at first. And then it hits me that I like think it's so fun. And then in a couple months, it'll again be like, okay, I wish I wasn't single anymore. But like right now I'm in that part where I feel like the first guy that I went out on a date with, um, post breakup, I like had weird expectations and I just like wasn't used to it anymore. And now I've like had that palate cleanse and I am, uh, hooking up with this like weird French dude. He cooks me Not food. Not just French, like Moroccan. Moroccan, Parisian. It's very exotic. He's very good at cooking. Um, no one's ever cooked anything for me before except for like Matt used to make like plain lentils and stuff, like prison food. <laughs> anyway, um, my mom was like, oh, do you like him? And I was like, I honestly cannot tell you a single goddamn word he's ever said. I, it is that's, so hard to understand. I am in love with him. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, he's tall. I he just cooks. like, I'm like talking to a bunch of people. I'm like dating. If there wasn't a pandemic, I would be whoring myself around town oh, in yeah. the funnest way. But like instead, I'm just safely whoring um and i'm loving it i'm in the fun part uh, i'm so jealous that is, the fun part is so fun yeah i'm just saying i like obviously mac has moved in my fun part days are probably behind me unless like, <laughs> something bad happens i guess yeah i feel like if you ever have another fun part like, it like so- will actually not it would it'd be like a much more tragic fun part yeah <laughs> except for of course i just bought the sluttiest top this weekend Oh. That I plan to wear for the the post vaccine orgy. I assume <laughs> we're all going to, which I do like. I mean, nobody like said this out loud to me yet, but I assumed we were all banking on once there's a vaccine, we'll all go into the streets and all couples will get like a hall pass, all singles will get an AIDS pass, <laughs> and we'll all just like have insane orgies in the streets for just like one day, and then go back to our pre COVID lives. Yeah, it's a day that no one will ever speak of again. Um, like nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it'll be, that's my last hope for a fun part. <laughs> it really is. Um, but yeah, I just, I kind of forgot that it'll like there is, year. I forgot that there is that like weird like phase where like after you get out of a relationship where you like kind of like don't, you like forget that being single is fun and yes. then it like kind of hits you and you're like, oh yeah, this is so fun. And so now I'm just, um, living it up, Especially living large. Like post a pandemic where nobody's been able to meet anybody. We haven't even been able to, been able to hang out with like, yeah. acquaintances. Like the thirst I have for just like casual into somebody chatting. I barely know and like having a fun conversation where it's like we both have our best stories to put forward. Like that first hour of meeting somebody, if you're a good chatter, is so much fun because I've been practicing that first hour thousands of times my entire it's life. It's so fun. Can I also say that like... This week, I, like, saw friends a couple times. I, like, watched football with a couple, like, friends that I don't see that often. I, like, was at a comedy show where I saw people I don't see that often. Like, the high that I have been getting from catching up with an acquaintance is the, like, there's, like, a come down. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's a dip in there. I was just, okay, so I bought this slutty shirt, and literally last night, you, me, and Mac were talking, and I was like, I just want to go clubbing. I haven't gone clubbing in, like, eight years. I remember being 22, going to a club for Halloween, (laughs) looking around and being like, I'm too old to be here. 
and now I'm almost 28. So I was like, I obviously cannot go to a club anymore. But suddenly this weekend, I bought this insane shirt. It is just a piece of orange mesh <laughs> that, like, if I don't eat all day, I can fit it around my dumb fat, like, shoulders. Like, it's barely, <laughs> it's already falling apart. I haven't taken it out of the bag. I looked at it last night and I was like, oh, there's holes in this already. It was $120. Are you kidding me? I didn't know it was going to be like that. They but then tell I, you the price before they swipe your card. I don't think they did because oh. I was shocked to hear it. And I remember looking and being like, I didn't, uh, I didn't think it was. And I just was stuck because the woman who designs the clothing was sitting there. And I was like, she's oh. had a hard winter. So I have to buy this. But I was saying like, I want to go clubbing so bad. And then today my friend Regina sent us a text and was like, oh my God, you guys remember clubbing? And even Daphne, my least slutty little friend, was like, I bought this mini leather skirt to go clubbing in. She's like, I don't know where else I could wear it. And I, I think Daphne been- is also entering... Daphne's in the fun part too and like I feel like we could all go to a club right now but it's just like these are people who have never spoken of clubbing in the last half decade and suddenly we're all like if a promoter doesn't text me hey what's up in the next 20 minutes like I would do anything for a New York City promoter to commute in from Long Island where his mom lives and take us all to Avenue where we all split like one dollar cranberry in the smallest little bit of vodka nobody can stand up it's hard to get the bartender's attention even it's $37 one time oh some Russian oligarch tries to take me home and I think about it but then I'm like no I can't I could never live in Russia If you think New York gets cold in the winter, uh-uh. Yeah, and I just, I would. Everybody's sweaty. It's so hot. You can't hear anything. Your ears hurt. Do you remember? Did you ever go to Lava? No, right? No, you never really did New York clubbing. Uh, Lava. Wait, is that actually where we went after yes. your work yes. holiday party? A downstairs club part for the weekends uh-huh. where they do this thing where they literally do a train noise just every two minutes. Why? I don't know. I guess because, like, they want people to have seizures and leave. Like, they can't (laughs) figure out another way to, like, clear out the club. It was actually where famously I got, like, a guy I was kind of talking to was a dick to me and, like, ignored me and I was humiliated, so I started crying. And I'll never forget at 3 a.m. at Lavo, the (laughs) busboy coming up to me and giving me a shot of of tequila and being like, you look like you need this. And I was just like, wow, if the busboy at Lavo feels bad for me... (laughs) For me, Ooh, then things are bad. And I need to get my life together, man. I don't think I ever, like, that was the last time I hung out with that group of people. That was a real, that shot of tequila might as well have been a cold Gatorade bath. I don't know. What wakes somebody up? I think cold Gatorade would wake you up. It always does that. At the end of football games, when there's a big yeah. win and the coach is falling asleep, they give him a, <laughs> yeah, when the coach a cold sleepy. Gatorade bath. <laughs> Do you have any final comments about the week? Because I feel like we have a really long episode with like one of a, like the best guests we've ever. Yeah, had on it's going to be an episode that we're, we're not going to cut that much. We're, we like we're trying to keep this podcast short and sweet for you guys, but then it turns out we had such a lovely conversation that it would be a disservice to remove it. And honestly, the less of us, the more of her, the better. Yeah, you know her from Girls Got to Eat. She has an incredible podcast that's taking the world by storm. Yes, I just interviewed Elizabeth Warren. Huge. Yes, but she's here to talk to us about Jessica Simpson. <laughs> Give it up for Ashley Hesseltine. <laughs> I feel like it's so funny having like two Ashleys and a Claire to like talk about a Jessica. I feel like we're like <laughs> just like a bunch of schoolyard bullies like about to start some serious yeah. shit. <laughs> two Ashleys, you're about to get fucked up. I know. <laughs> what was your relationship with Jessica like going into reading the book? Like, what did you think about her growing up? What did you know of her? What was your preconceived notion? Did you love her? Okay, so I grew up 
I mean, in early high school with Brittany, Christina, Jessica, um, and she was maybe my least favorite. I was, I liked her. I knew she had talent, but like, I think you even know who you like resonate with. And I obviously got those kind of churchy vibes and I just was like, I don't, I don't know if that's my girl, you know, like, I don't really know who was my girl now. Cause I wasn't even like super duper Brittany. I was mm-hmm. Destiny's Child that those are, those were who I wanted mm-hmm. to be. Um, but I didn't like hate on her. I feel like mm-hmm. I've always felt the authenticity. I watched newlyweds. Like I think even the, the, the moments with the chicken and the tuna, like you, you were like, Oh, she's like a, she's dumb. Like that. It was, it was so much more acceptable to call someone like a dumb blonde back then. And, but I think it was with love and I never mm-hmm. really hated on her. I wasn't like ever a hater. I just feel like I was like, this is this like talented, sweet girl. Um, and I don't know. I was trying to remember the, the big body shaming moment, like the, the mom jeans and that was so far into her career. She had already, yeah. that was 2009. So that, yeah, we that, were like adults. Yeah. So I was trying to, we can get into it, but I was like, did I ever like tweet something? Cause like time, we, I don't know. I was like, we were all different back then. We were assholes, you know, it was like, it was acceptable what people did and said about her back then. It wasn't acceptable, mm-hmm. but, like more acceptable than it is today. Like we've come so far, but mm-hmm. I was like, did I, you know, was I part of this like moment that I was just hoping I wasn't, you know, like part of the moment that like made her. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we could get back more into this, but I, when I read that, I went back and even looked up the photos and went, oh my God, I can't believe we thought this was fat back then. That yeah, was also she, at the tail end of that sure, like yeah. 2000s anorexic phase where everyone yeah. had to look like Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton and the Olsen twins. And you look and you go, oh my God, she really was just a size four. <laughs> I just think she's mm-hmm. like funny. I, I've always thought she was like fun. I liked watching interviews. I thought she was no filter, fun to watch, D- quote, quote unquote, dissy and dumb. But I think even we all knew she is smarter than she uh, gives off and so mm-hmm. I guess I've always just kind of been a low-key fan low-key fa- like she's a girl she's not my girl but yeah I got no problems with her right no problem yeah. I feel like that moment that like that mom jeans moment is something like it is one of those things where like obviously it was never okay to body shame but like people really were it like was the culture like everyone was just like I don't know someone like looks not like we expect them to. Everyone just like flipped out on it. And it was such a moment. And then I feel like it was compounded by the fact that she was like not in the spotlight as hard anymore. And so everyone mm-hmm. was like this like sad attempt at a comeback is really mean. <laughs> yeah. And remember there was like, there was a thing that happened with Kim Kardashian where some terrible pictures surfaced and it just hurt. Of her butt. Her, her, her butt looked so crazy. And But at the end of the day, like we stars an influencer or whatever famous people control their narrative so much more. So like mm-hmm. had that been an Instagram days, whatever. Also who cares? Look what, like, yeah. look, she looked, it doesn't matter if she was, if she was overweight or if she wasn't, but today it would have been a lot easier for her to be like, Hey, this is what I look like and shut it down. There's but a lot more room. All yeah. you have are like pat pics and everybody's like, Oh my God, she's fat. And it's just crazy. 
Especially back then, because we're mad that she doesn't look the way we think she should look, when the way we think she should look was forced upon her as well. Was, like, Mm -hmm. unhealthy Dukes of Hazzard. Today, I feel like it'd almost be different with Kim Kardashian, because Kim Kardashian has really participated in that idea of what a natural human body at its (laughs) best can look like, and it is absolutely, like, a Frankenstein plastic silicone combination (laughs) sucking out and putting back in. And there is something, like, what is her responsibility to look normal and, or even my thing is get plastic surgery, but cop to it. So people don't think that that's, that's how natural. they're supposed And you're to just look. like yeah. doing squats. They just do but a I, lot of squats. Okay. Yeah. Like all the people who are like, I don't have lip fillers. I overline my lips. Duh. That's why they look enormous. <laughs> or the puberty thing. They're like, I just went through puberty at 23 and it gave me these <laughs> giant dick sucking lips. And you're like, I went through puberty. I don't remember that. Just <laughs> is one of the like, the, one of the most natural beauties. I mean, she she truly yes. is. Like she was so gorgeous. And I think my feeling about her going in was that I didn't like. She wasn't my favorite either. I didn't watch Newlyweds because I didn't have MTV back then. But I did have this like low key understanding that she was the most talented and the most beautiful. And mm-hmm. she never got her due. But I wasn't going to give her her due. I wasn't going to buy the album to help her I out. Think it's, but it's, it was because of like I mean the sex like sex sells. Like I think it was. They, I'm not saying I agree with that or take that stance, but like she was caught in this limbo mm-hmm. of like Christ, Christian music and trying to be clean and then everything. I don't know. Like she yeah. she was in the Christina Aguilera dirty era. Yeah, the sick, the sexy virgin, and it just felt so inauthentic. So how I do think. you straddle the line? Maybe she could have been the like most famous like Christian pop artist of all time, but yeah, she shouldn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she was caught trying to be something she wasn't. Um, <laughs> We feel like this book was filled with, like, truly some of the craziest stories. Like, even if she hadn't been Jessica Simpson, I feel like even stories from her childhood. Do you have any specific moments where you were just like, what the fuck was that story? That story is <laughs> yeah. shocking to me. <laughs> I made some notes. Um, I, did, I didn't know anything about Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> so, uh, did you guys? I had no idea that she had this, like, emotional, like, because they never hooked up, right? No. in the book, she, no. like, just details that she just, like was in love with him. And yeah, she like, had an emotional affair. I mean, like, with Johnny, if she was going to tell me that she was going to have an emotional affair with a co-star, like, like if you told me that before I'd read the book, I would have guessed truly any other person in Hollywood before I guessed Johnny Knoxville. Yeah. And also that he was the Southern gentleman who released <laughs> the true depths of her soul. And I'm like, the guy that's like starting into a can and then making his midget friend eat it. Like that guy helps yeah. you see honesty for the first time. Well, I mean, the whole book was like so honest and raw and crazy. I mean, I, and again, because I didn't know all, because I didn't know, I wasn't this like super fan that knew everything about Jessica Simpson. So a lot of it, I, I guess was kind of new to me. I mean, I thought it was crazy. She turned on the, the notebook. Like, can you imagine the notebook with her and Ryan Gosling? I can't even like think about it. It's so crazy. I mean, of course the sexual abuse, like I know we're not going to, we could do a whole episode on that. And I don't, mm-hmm. I want to give it the seriousness it deserves. And I mean, that was shocking and terrible. And I think mm-hmm. one of the scenes that was, that I pictured the most shocking was like her parents not reacting quite, but I guess the, they did at least not ever hang out with that family again. But um, so that was mm-hmm. awful to read, but, I think the most tragic thing was that her cousin dying. Like that, it was like, 
what I was like, what the fuck? Like this girl has been through so much. I was like, I cried a lot. I I cried about the Sarah story. I mean, I'll just let our reader, our listeners know real quick. The story of cousin Sarah, her favorite cousin who was two years older than her was that she had just graduated from high school. She was going to her own graduation party with her boyfriend. They were driving in a car that day. A carnival was in town and a, horse named Gracious Will had run away from the carnival, was hiding in a ditch and jumped up, not just into their car, but onto their car, went straight through the windshield and landed on her cousin Sarah, killing her instantly. I just like that story is, yeah. I, I, it is so tragic and I can really see how it shaped her. But like the fact that she didn't just write Sarah died in a car accident, the fact that she was like, she made contact with a horse and died. <laughs> like, I did have to read it a couple times. Like I was like that. And, and yeah, I mean, and leading up to it, it's just like, they really definitely not, they didn't, she didn't play it up, but like they were like best friends. That was who she yeah. idolized. She mm-hmm. wanted to be like, and then she just like died in like a freak accident. Freak horse. A car horse accident. accident. A horse. <laughs> it really like shook me up. Um, it's really tragic, but I will say, as someone who didn't know them, to think of the horse landing on you through, like, just hooves first through the windshield, coming straight at, I think it's the dead onness of it all. I could understand hitting a deer. Like a head-on collision with a horse like, is. And, like, to, like I mean, I, I don't want to make light of this. Like, I think it's, I think as comedians, it's hard not to want to make jokes. But there's no jokes to be made, but I'm also like, did she love horses? Like, can you imagine? Like, that's I know. how you go out. <laughs> It I is just it is tragic. so sad and hard to not make light of. Like I will she, say, but she went. You know, I will say I'm not a religious person. I mean, I grew up going to church and everything. But she, um, Christian. But she, I think that her faith like got her through a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Like it seems to me that like, thank God she was really into the church and walked with God. And I, I mean, he, she you know, is a person that feels like she was like called by God to, to do this thing. So, yeah. you know, I think that like kept her going because there was like a lot of tragedy. At, there was at a lot age. of tragedy. And I have to say, like, I mean, I think it is easy to look back and remember the good about somebody, but Sarah did seem like an exceptionally good person. She had done this yeah. thing where she was, she graduated that week. And right before she graduated, she had written a handwritten note to every person in his, her class, right. every yeah. classmate saying how much she loved Jeez. them and how she prayed for them and how she hopes they find God one day. And so they were like receiving these letters post-mortem. And I was just like, I literally sat back and thought, should I be sending letters every day in case I die soon? Like, I also was like, I mean, should I like try to find God now? Like, I I mean, it really was like, it really painted God in a great light. It really made me, Sarah, and the way that Sarah helped Jessica Simpson find God, her cousin Sarah helped me be like, do I want God in my life? I I, like would love to be the kind of person who's constantly praying for other people. I know. I don't know. If I, I do believe in a higher power. And I, I'm super into like, you know, manifestation and all that kind of stuff, which is prayer. You know what I mean? We're not going yeah. to put on this road. <laughs> but just the idea that she is like looking at, like I have never once thought about my classmates. Let me tell you, I left high school and like <laughs> never looked back. A lot of them have unfollowed me. I actually had one reach out to me. And when I found out he lived in New York, I was like, oh my God, I thought I was the only person from our class in New York. And he goes, no, there's like 20 of us and we hang out a lot. And I was like, <laughs> Okay, so like clearly I was not writing letters to my classmates, but I would like to be somebody who wrote letters to their classmates. It did inspire me to like maybe be a godlier version of myself. <laughs> so the takeaway is that we're all like in a small group now after reading. 
<laughs> we're all in like going to church together. Well, like my like a cynical ass Jewish kind of like take, I guess, like a lot of the Christian people that I knew were either like, I like kind of categorized them in two ways. People who were like Christians who like genuinely like wanted the best for people and people who were Christians for clout. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like a lot of, I don't know if this is like really fucked up to say, but I feel like a lot of Christian culture that I was like exposed to early was people who were like mean and like, like mean to anyone who wasn't Christian. You know what I mean? Like people who were like telling yeah. me I was going to go to hell because I was Jewish. And then there were like the other half were the people who were like, I'll pray for everybody anyway. You know what I mean? hundred percent. And so I like kind of didn't know if her like, Christianity was like for show do you know what I mean like a marketing situation because like also she was showing her tits the whole time and I like didn't really get it and I feel like in this book I was like oh no she's like believes in God (laughs) I agree though because I know those Christians and I even though I believe that Jessica Simpson is has a lot of faith and it was obviously the labels were making her sex it up. Right. I still felt like annoyed by her faith. And that might be a personal problem of there. I do feel like she really, there was a couple times in the early chapters when she talks about being Baptist and how she was only called forth by the Lord to be baptized once, but other people would go a lot for the attention. And like, there was like <laughs> yeah. I noticed there's You're three a little separate shade. times where she was like calling out other Baptists for only doing it for the attention. And I was just like, all right, Jessica, I get it. You're the pastor. I felt a lot of pastor's daughter Pastor's daughter vibes. There, there yeah. was a lot of pastor's daughter energy. But like, I do, you know what I mean? Like the amount that it like threaded through the whole book. Yeah. I was like, okay, it does seem like a very constant presence in her life and in her actions and so like I think that she does have like a little of both in her but I think it was like comforting for me to be like okay no this is something that she like truly believes in she's not just like up there being like and on my bible I pray to sell more albums (laughs) yeah yeah I think it's totally I think it's totally authentic to who she is I just I also just think she's like a really genuine person I don't know her I don't know her politics I don't know if I want to know I mean she's notoriously conservative and you know but I don't know what what she's gonna do in November I don't want to think about it I don't want to get on this road (laughs) (laughs) I found her faith to be authentic but still annoying like Uh, I do think if I met her, I wouldn't want to be her friend. I found her a little bit cloying in her idea that Jesus was speaking through her, that <laughs> her voice was a gift from him. And that, I don't know. I like, well, I, I mean, it's, you don't have friends friend. like that now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what exactly. I mean? Like it's, <laughs> she is not somebody I would want to be friends with. Although I did read her book and I was on her side, but I was still like, oh, yeah, I guess you really are this way. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, I feel like that's where I was. It's like, it is comforting to me to be like, okay, this is not all an act. Like, it is still something that I don't love, but it's not fake, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, and she seems maybe like, it, it, you know, I like that the book didn't like shove religion down your throat or like yeah. Christianity. Like, I do feel like, I feel like she is probably genuinely one of those people that doesn't judge you if you're mm-hmm. atheist, yes. agnostic, Jewish, whatever. I hope. Totally. I, will, I think she has her current, I mean, she dated or married Nick Lachey, who wasn't religious. And then her current yeah. husband, I'd assume, is like yeah. Buddhist or something. He seems very, oh, yeah, like, he yeah. seems He's so like Buddhist. Yeah. <laughs> he seems like, what are the Asians into now? That's my thing too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Do you feel like there were, was there any point specifically where you were shocked by her honesty? 
probably the John Mayer stuff just because he's still so famous and like mm-hmm. she just put him on blast you know not that it was so terrible she didn't call him like an abuser or anything but he came off like a pretty shitty guy um oh 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 my gosh can we back up to my most what the fuck moment I really do think this would be it for me is that he was hanging out with her family. That after, was so, so crazy. crazy. After <laughs> they had like after he had like that made me really disrespect and her family. Like yeah, what? Fa- like it was just because he was such a cool guy. This guy's been fucking over your daughter for what years now? Like he should be dead to you. Like it's you guys now. He's at the barbecue. Like it's so I. The John Mayer stuff, the, the honesty was so brutal. I mean, Nick Lachey too, but it was so long ago and he isn't so famous and mm-hmm. I'm sure he didn't love it. But like, you know, the John Mayer stuff was like, this guy is still an, an A-list celebrity and you are like show, painting him in a light that is not positive. I mean, I'm here for it. Well, I feel the same way with the Nick Lachey. I felt that not only is he not famous now, but the way that played out is almost how anybody could have imagined it played out. He started famous. She didn't. She eclipsed him by a million and he couldn't handle that. I think it kind of panned out, how you'd assume, to nascent stars. Yeah. One like, after the other. I think that if she had really gone after Nick Lachey hard, like she just told the truth flat out what happened with them. But I think if she'd like truly gone after him, she would have looked pretty bad you know like it would have been really like I don't know you're running a billion dollar company and he is probably (laughs) like sharing like he and Vanessa Lachey are probably in a condo right now you know like they (laughs) well she has that hilarious line where she's talking about the end of the divorce and when she says whatever amount of money he wants just give it to him and she goes I promise my dad a million a billion a billion right well a billion okay um it's the best line in the book. I, I had to like sit with it. I had to let it and like, I was, settle yes. in. It, it like really, it was so empowering. It was so great that she was like, give whatever the fuck you want. I'm about to be yeah. a billionaire. She's not a billionaire though, right? She's like, well, her company is worth She's a billionaire. Like Kylie is a billionaire and that the they, company. the company is worth She's a billion. She's not like a Jeff Bezos billionaire. No, no, but she did create a little lifestyle empire. Were you uh, guys shocked at the success of her company? <laughs> I didn't know. Like, I, what I was shocked at was the honesty. She was like, here's why I'm successful. And she gave like a from the heart branding advice, which was that she really honestly wanted to get stuff that people would wear at a decent price. And as mm-hmm. somebody who owns things from the Jessica Simpson collection, Same. I was like, I remember finding a pair of nude pumps and I was like, finally, a normal pair of nude pumps that I can wear to my internship that are under $100. Like, it really was like, how could this be so impossible to find? Thank you, Jessica Simpson. And then she had the second bit of advice, which is when she teamed up with Vince Camuto from Nine West, they Mm -hmm. got a non she got a non-compete yeah. clause with him. So he couldn't do any yeah. of the other brands. Yeah, and I was like, I, I respect too. when people come in and give you like an honest, like actionable mm-hmm. answer. Like I hate when people are like, just follow your dreams yes. and listen to yourself. I'm listen like, I'm listening, I'm listening. But do you have like business advice? Like, like don't give me the email address, but like tell me that I should be emailing someone with the title of blank and I'll like use LinkedIn to find the resources myself. But like, right. You know, people are like, shit. you just have to like find stuff out. And it's like, I literally did not understand the inner workings of companies until like a year ago <laughs> like I just didn't I worked at a, I entered in a magazine out of college and was like how do they how do magazines make money like I literally didn't yeah. know even how they worked and I was like I was like oh ads I don't I never knew <laughs> I when I started stand-up this is where like I really get mad when people give bullshit advice because when I started stand-up I asked like 20 people everyone from a kid I knew in college to Michael Che on DM and BJ Novak at a book signing like can you give me advice I want to do stand-up and BJ Novak said something like, move to Paris, 
that's not helpful. That's a bad, Michael, that's bad advice. Michael Che said, whatever you do, just be honest. Not helpful. Finally, I met somebody who was like, you go to open mics. This is the time. This is the date. You put your name in a right. bucket and you bring your material and you just start. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> yes. Well, and that's a lot, a lot of people. I feel like a lot of people's stand-up story is just going to the fir- their first mic or to see a friend or something and then being like, oh, I can do this or going to some show yeah. that's like not great. And you like see somebody do it and you're like, oh, I can do that at least as good as them. Yeah, you watch them like, fail. And you're like, can I do that here? Can I come back and do that here? Like, look, nobody tells you how yeah, to you need do that. I'll tell people. I'm happy me to tell. Me too. When yeah. people yeah. reach out to me, I literally say, I go, here are the mics. Here's my recommendation of a mic. If you want me to go, I'll go. <laughs> like, but here's the time and the place you need to put your body somewhere. Right. But back to the John Mayer stuff. So what you're talking about specifically is that if you guys didn't read the book, um, after her and John broke up, and I mean, quite a bit after she was living with Tony Romo down in Dallas and John Mayer was still going to her parents' house for like family gatherings and barbecues. And at one point, two years into her uh, Tony Romo relationship, he played a song and sang to her family and begged them to help him get her to dump Tony Romo and get back together with him and confess his love for her to the point where even her house manager was like, listen, Jessica, you got to break up with your boyfriend. And then immediately he didn't even want to get back together with her. It was like all a ruse. I mean, he's such an evil manipulator. It like is so crazy. And this is the reason I was so happy she threw him under the bus. And like for anyone who says it was too harsh, it like really is like guys can say whatever they want. And then if a girl hurts a guy's feelings, everyone's like, but how could you say that about him? Because of the story where um, she talks about how she was like, like working on some like feminist travel show. It was like about how like there's beauty standards. The beauty standards are different in every country. Oh, yeah. oh right, yeah. And she was like doing this show where she would like travel and like talk about the beauty standards and like help empower women to be like just because you don't feel like you're like the media is properly representing you. Like everywhere is different. Everywhere has different standards, like whatever. The price of beauty. <laughs> the price of beauty. Um, and, and it was like about like different like surgeries that people get in other countries as compared to like what we're obsessed with in America. And, um, and then right before she was doing press for that, John Mayer said in an interview that she was like a uh, sexual napalm and then all of her interviews, they were just, like, asking her about that. And she was like, I was trying to promote this show that would, like, empower women and, like, discuss beauty. And instead, now I'm having to, like, discuss and, like, be ashamed of, like, my sexuality. And I was like, that is so cruel that he did that. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it's so fucked up because I knew yeah. that line, that, like, sexual napalm thing. Yes. I remember hearing that about her. And like, I remember that more than I remembered her songs. It took me a while to even remember yeah. what her hits were. <laughs> well, Irresistible. I remember that I'll have that music video burned into my brain until I die. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so hearing that, it's like he did that to her. So why can't she write about him in a book? Because that was like a really yeah. fucked up thing to say that has like gone down in history. <laughs> like forever tied to her name. I, I don't, I definitely don't think, I think she did a great job. She didn't also name caller she just told mm-hmm. told what happened but are people criticizing her for throwing him under the bus by the way I was just curious if you've like, I saw, seen that. I don't think that anyone was specifically saying she shouldn't have but all of the headlines I saw about the way she talked about him were that same like media style of being like Jessica Simpson like yeah. says awful shit you know what I mean like it was never like John Mayer treated Jessica badly it was all like Jessica Simpson said horrible shit about John Mayer right. you know what I mean yeah, and I have to 
well, something that shocked me about it was her honesty and her own part of it. She even has a line where she's like, was he stabbing me in the heart or was he just holding the knife and letting me run into it over and over again? Damn. And she talks about, uh-huh. I think, the night of the Met Gala, just like he breaking up with her. She brought him as a date. He broke up with her that night in the Four Seasons Hotel. And then she was just outside all night banging on his door until he would let her back in. And mm-hmm. it's just like, that's not a pretty picture of Jessica either. Like, she doesn't come off looking good. She spent mm-hmm. a whole year on tour with him, just living in his bus, like, letting him buy her stuff. Like, I find that she was pretty honest about yeah. how, I don't want to say pathetic, but he really did. She allowed herself to be in that role for quite some time. And she was pretty honest about mm-hmm. how it stripped her of all of her career and identity, kind of. Yeah, there. I saw a headline while I was uh, just reading some other reviews on it that said, in her memoir, she spares no one, including herself, which I think is so fair. Like, mm-hmm. it's just all, it's honesty of on, from, about everybody, including herself. Like, it's, she didn't make him look bad and make herself look good. Mm-hmm. She told the story. You can make your own judgments. And totally. I felt like it was an incredible, I think, if you haven't been in that relationship, you have a friend who has been in that relationship. Like, it yeah. is just like an early 20s toxic relationship where you let a man decide whether or not you're smart or worthy and you just keep running back to him trying to be good enough. I mean, Taylor Swift has that Dear John song and it's almost word for chorus, like line for verse, the uh-huh. same exact experience. That like um, your chess games, like say so your I, chess games and you change the rules every day or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they only give you love when you're walking away and then as soon as you like decide you need them, then they pull away and you like have to get it back. It's like this crazy, yeah. horrible, like mind game that I, John Mayer is a fucking pro at. <laughs> and it, it, there was just so many, like, it felt like, I mean, he, obviously he's such a brilliant guy, you know? So he, it's, he all obviously knows everything that he's doing and mm-hmm. there's, he's being purposely manipulative, but it just felt like he, do, he does these things with women to, be able to write songs about it and it's like you know in comedy it's like you're doing it for the content like that's mm-hmm. almost like what it felt like he creates situations that are gonna cause reactions in himself and others that's gonna inspire him to write music it, it just felt like well, so that's, yeah that's what she easy. said yeah she felt like yeah. she was doing it for material and it's funny because yeah. I know a lot of female comedians who I feel kind of stop themselves from growing emotionally like towards the healthy situation in order to keep the content going yeah but it's so mm-hmm. funny that of course like a man would be like no, I'm going to keep ruining other people. Like I, know, and I feel like I know a lot of female comedians have like let their lives fall apart for the Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> and he was just like, oh, no, no, I'm going to keep succeeding, but I'm going to ruin Jessica Simpson. And yeah, he's like, I'm going to be fine. But, but Jennifer I'm- Aniston and Mandy Moore, like every woman he ever dated, he's like, well, then I'll take down. <laughs> yeah. So and then crazy. I'll just like suck up their depression and write it's songs It's so about wild it. that every, there's so many of the exact same story about him. And then like women keep dating him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's that's, that's the celebrity. That. That's on them. That's on this like savior complex. Totally, like, I'll be different. I'll change him. No, you all. It's like all these horrible stories about him, but he was nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so obviously we feel like she was very honest. Do you think though that there was any point where she was purposely deceptive, or do you feel like there was anything where you left being like, I don't think that that's the whole truth? Um, I know. I I, I was thinking about this. I can't recall anything. Um. 
can you like can you guys I, I'm not asking well like, my you, feeling I yeah. asked that specifically because mm-hmm. I like in my head had an answer okay um, yeah I want to know what you th- what you think and maybe I it guess, might jog my memory too again I want to know where her politics stand but anyway um I felt she personally that she was very honest about herself until it came to mo- her own motherhood so when she okay. talks about hitting a rock bottom because she was too drunk to get her daughter dressed for Halloween and then the very next day there is an intervention and they have a rehab ready and she goes doesn't matter how drunk I was I know I was always a really good mother I felt that there was something I don't think that you can be such a bad alcoholic that your friends have a rehab ready to go and you only missed one Halloween night. I felt that that Mm. was... I also, (laughs) I think that in general, her um, intervention and recovery story was, felt a little bit like, and I, even though she does have that part where she's like, I I decided I was going to give up alcohol after one more drink and she like admits that, it still felt like there's something... Like, the way that it was just, like, I decided I was going to give up alcohol, and then we held hands and prayed, and then <laughs> I was done. It's, like, there. It, I feel like there has to have been more. When you look, okay, when yeah. I reread it, she has been taking sleeping pills since she was 13 years old to go to sleep. Yeah. yeah. And diet pills. And she had started drinking heavily. Like, John Mayer said he would break up with her because she was too much of an alcoholic. There's a story about her being so drunk she can't sing the Dolly Parton song. Like, I'm, like, oh, That was another seen? moment that was, like, yikes. Like, that was crazy. Yeah. But I guess I just kind of felt like she was honest about, I guess I think she was dishonest about the alcoholism and how bad it was. I just don't think you can be that bad, bad of a drunk and have only missed yeah. one night. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then maybe like Ashley, what you're saying too, the like recovery. And again, like I, I have not, I am, don't struggle with addiction. And um, so I, I don't want to speak on it. So I want to speak on it like super sensitively, but I'm like wondering if someone to me and my experience with people that have overcome alcoholism, or I guess it's a lot of people consider it a lifetime struggle, but it isn't just a switch you flip and you pray on it and you're cured. And so like I, maybe for some people, for maybe just some people can just do cold turkey and go, but at least mm-hmm. get people that I know have struggled a lot more. So maybe it was for the sake of keeping the book tighter, but I am wondering if someone that has struggled with addiction read read the book if they were like oh fuck no like that it's not that easy and yeah. like we, we, we glossed over a lot of details here but again it's a book that people it, was it more so that like people don't want to read that let's just keep it moving like mm-hmm. was it purposeful was it was it her not wanting to share details or was it like an editing you know post-production like we don't need all this shit it's people don't want to read it it's too dark or yeah I don't know I do think as a woman, one thing you can't ever breach is being a bad mom. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I just saw that. I feel like I just watched something else where they were talking about, oh, this is so embarrassing, younger. But they were talking about like, <laughs> please, isn't that embarrassing? I love that like, show. My favorite shows. <laughs> the way that I'm like citing it, like it's a psychological study. I'm like, oh, I think it was just, <laughs> just, but they were saying oh, yeah. like people can forgive women for things. They will not forgive you for being a bad mother. Like that mm-hmm. is something that they think is so intrinsic to womanhood that how will you explain? And so I do feel like when she said missing one night was such a horrible experience that that was a rock bottom, that if I was a woman who had suffered from addiction and had children, I might've felt that that was alienating because I can't imagine that you just miss one night. Yeah. I do. I do think it is a little bit almost alienating the way that they describe it. Like also, I mean, obviously it's a completely different situation, but like I just read Nikki six from um, Motley Crue's biography, autobiography. It's like, more of a diary from like his worst parts of addiction. And that is like basically the whole book. Like, I don't think anyone would be like the most harrowing parts of your struggle are like something that we should trim. I think it, 
was probably like a PR move where we're like, we can't get, make this, we can't make you look too messy. Like as much as we like Uh want to show the ins and outs of your life and be like, look at me, I'm not perfect. I um, like tripped that one time and it was so wild. Um, And like she, you know what I mean? Like she is honest about the John Mayer stuff, but I do think that like once she became a mother, she like really couldn't share this information about like how hard how it, really, it probably was. really was. Yeah. I think because you guys are right. I don't know. I, I don't, I, I don't think it's wrong that she didn't include it. I do think that it's not a hundred percent honest though. <laughs> I also think just like knowing moms, I don't know any mom who's like, I can say with a hundred percent certainty, I am a great mom. Like, I feel like that's the struggle of every mother's life. Is am I like, like, am I a good mom? Am well. I doing a good job? Yeah. And I feel like yeah, even maybe. if she was sober to like have only missed one thing, it's like, I don't know. Like I had, my parents both worked full time my whole life. Like I'm not saying like they missed stuff and they should be guilty. Mom, if you're listening, um, I'm just saying that like as a mom with like a full on enormous career, like I, I feel like if the only reason she missed a thing is cause she was drunk. It's like, there's no way she's there all the time. That's crazy. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, and I, who's to say, like, also she's, like, a rich person who has, like, plenty of people, like, maintaining her life. Like, you know, it's not always mm-hmm. on her. So maybe – I think that – okay, well, I, again, I can't – I don't want to speculate, and I certainly don't want to call her a liar. I think that – I guess the, the narrative they tried to share is that she was a functioning alcoholic, a functioning mm-hmm. addict, and she was able to tell herself that as long as I never miss a thing, I'm fine – so when she missed a thing, that was like her rock bottom. Yeah, so I, guess that I makes think sense that, that too. was kind of the, the, what they were trying to say. Yeah, because like the, everybody has a different view of a rock bottom. For some people, it is literally like losing everybody in your life that you cared about, and you're like on the streets. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But for her, it was like because she she was an alcoholic that was functioning, that took so much pride in her motherhood that like the second she dropped the ball, that was like I need help. Yeah. At least that's you know that's interesting. Did you have any moments that you specifically found very funny? <laughs> I'm trying to remember I, if I laughed out loud at any. I mean, again, my favorite moment was that line of her saying, I'll make the money back, give or take a billion. Like, I, like, want to jump up on the couch like Tom Cruise style. <laughs> but, like, I, I found her to be funny. Like, a funny, you know, like, not, like, hilarious comedian funny, yeah. but just in general, um, I'm so sorry. I don't have like a specific thing again. Like guys, I forgot the book. It's, it's no been in New York. Did you guys have any? And also you asked that you asked, um, did I find myself like laughing at her or with her? I just felt like always with her. I think she made poked fun at herself so much and she was self-deprecating enough that it never felt like I was like, Oh, you know, laughing like at her, but yeah, I definitely totally. heard her wanting to be a comedian. Like it was very important to her to be seen as funny. Like uh-huh. you said that from our childhood, there were just a few times for me where the there's a time she's in the hospital and she looks out and sees a cardinal and they're like the cardinal sticks it out in the winter because it hangs in there because it's tough and she's like yes and I'm like did that happen <laughs> moments yeah yeah <laughs> there was a couple of very writerly moments where she's like describing being two and singing for the first time and turning the vowels over in her head softly and I'm just okay, like yeah like yeah sometimes the the language was a little too poetic and flowery like. Like you're like, yeah, especially kind of at the beginning, I was like, is, I just want this to be straightforward. I'm just here for the tea. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to shit on her as a writer. Cause I think she probably really, she's journaled her whole life. Like she's mm-hmm. probably a great writer, but like there, 
sometimes, yeah, it was a little much. There were definitely yeah, moments were, where it was like <laughs> the metaphors. <laughs> okay, like you weren't this like aware seven year old who was like watching your parents and being. I don't know. Like, I can't think of a specific example, but I do think that, like, when she was younger, like, talking about her family, it's like, there's no way you were that aware of everything happening, that you had, like, these insane insights about, like, your dad's, like, control issues. (laughs) I think it opens really flowery, honestly. Like, I think it gets a little more straightforward. And I can read the very first line of the prologue. The kids are asleep and my husband is reading in the other room. So it's just you and me. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's a little dramatic. Yeah, there is. Yeah. The, but I think as she gets more and more towards her true memories, I think when she has to adapt a perspective, it's a little, it gets sometimes yeah. I'm like, okay, Jessica, who are you pretending to be? But when she's like talking about what she remembers, it feels very straightforward. Yeah. I, my no, only quality I care about in a person, all my friends, like the, anyone I'm close with is that they don't take themselves too seriously. So it's like, I wanted her to be that kind of person. And I feel like she was for the most part, but there were moments where I was like, yeah. I was eye rolling a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. And I think it's, I do think it's hard to remember earlier parts of your life. And so then you do have to kind of like cosplay <laughs> as your own self. And you're like, Bring oh, the cardinal metaphors. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I, I will say, I, w- I was wondering what you guys thought. And again, perhaps this is just because I'm not like involved in the church, but um, I really didn't enjoy the beginning as much. Uh, like it, it, until Nick Lachey came along, I was like really tr- just trying to get through it. Like I, it just, it wasn't, a, it wasn't that much of interest to me. And that's just my preference. You know, maybe some people found so much like like enjoyed the beginning more but like to me I was like I just want to get to the Jessica Simpson that I knew like mm-hmm. in my at the point in my life and like the pop star Nick, Nick Lachey and like get to the T like I just didn't care so much about the beginning of her career and her childhood <laughs> I, well, I hate to say it <laughs> I felt very like this is awful but the parts that I had a hard time getting through were her USO trips where she was like <laughs> describing singing to veteran not veterans but deployed Soldiers troops so I was just like okay <laughs> well and it not yeah not to take anything away from it it's amazing I, mm-hmm. like I was it's just not my values I just didn't so care about hard. reading I just didn't yeah. care about reading it like I was like okay can we back get back to like well like, that's what I'm saying when I didn't like her there's a specific line where she talks about how one of the leaders of the youth group loved Jessica because she did such a good job bringing in boys to youth group but then the second job was keeping the boys off of Jessica and youth group and I think there was something like <laughs> this is bad but I notoriously hate virgins I have <laughs> oh god <laughs> I I think it's like I have a fear I find it kind of perverted to be obsessed with not having sex and to be like obsessed with being like something sexual that nobody can have and having that be your identity I always it like, is weird it, kind of, it grows me out and so I did always feel like well she just was a virgin who was unfortunately thrust into this light of like sex symbol and she didn't want that but something about that line and like how much she got off on knowing that the boys liked her as a little as a young girl and she actually had a line talking about in eighth grade that sure the boys only liked me for my breasts but at least they liked me like the girls weren't nice at all it was yeah. a little too pick me pick me and I was just like oh I would not have liked you in eighth grade I don't like a girl who's like girls just don't like me because I'm too pretty <laughs> yeah <laughs> too but pretty it's, and god fearing <laughs> but it's also like she came out of her upbringing like better than some you know what I mean yes, like because yes, yes, yes. like I grew up super liberal parents, like no saving sex till marriage wasn't a thing, you know? So it's like, 
at least she turned out pretty cool for like yeah. for being the the preacher's daughter and like because I mean abstinence and waiting for waiting waiting to have sex till marriage is is literally the most foreign concept i can't i have no friends that, that i like, like disagree that. with it on principle i almost think it's worse to do i would like it's recommend so, it it's bad it. it's and it's also like live your truth like i don't i just try so hard to just like let people like i would never like i don't want people to feel judged like it, it doesn't bother me if you want to wait yeah. till you have marriage we should do a whole episode on virginity guys uh, the whole problem with with that concept is it puts too much weight on sex. Exactly. So yeah, like, like it, it, yes. sex shouldn't be. It's not that big a deal. Not I always big. wonder if nobody had told me losing your virginity was a big deal, would I have known it was a big deal? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So it's like, it almost, it ties women to these men because mm-hmm. it's, they want, you know, I mean, the, the goal is to, in the Bible is just to have to sex with one person for like, it's kind yeah. of like, it's, it, it fucks. It does a lot of damage. In the I guess. same way, I don't think you should have sex you don't want to have. I think you should have sex you do want to have. Like it does yeah. feel like <laughs> right. Like why center you your like identity, dying to have sex, sex and not get to. Yeah, I, but I feel like to make your whole identity about sex in this weird, but I won't do it. It reminds me almost of like anorexia. Like you know those anorexic women who cook all the time. Like there is something even to like make your whole life about something you refuse to touch. It, I find it unhealthy. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, and it like becomes your identity like basically when you lose it then who are you if you've made your identity something that can so easily be taken from you it is very scary to think that you have this pedestal that'll be pulled out (laughs) and then where do you fall to and I don't think that's a good thing to build yourself around yeah um but back to (laughs) back to Jessica I also think the funny thing about her being a virgin is she got married so young and then she talks about how her mom got married at 20 and her grandma got married at 18 so it is like it's not like you waited that long yeah (laughs) Like a you lot just of people are virgins until they're twenty. <laughs> yeah, like a lot. A lot of girls are are older versions that don't want to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's so funny to be like, well, we held on our virginity to our wedding night, and now we're all in unhappy marriages. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, you I have that much self uh, control. You only made it till eighteen. <laughs> I had sex at eighteen for the first time, and I was like, this is so embarrassing. Like nobody wanted to fuck me until now. <laughs> and imagine that if you had, had to get married, if your parents had to spend a couple. Yeah. Like grand, so that you could do it. So crazy. Yeah, um, there was. I found a lot of that interesting. Like that she was that there was some doubt there. Like that her before, dad hated. Yeah, it. I didn't know. I didn't know all that. So well, my our favorite fact about the whole book. I can't believe we even brought it up. Actually, <laughs> is that their wedding was brought on by nine eleven. <laughs> There's a story that they were broken up when he and he was in. Oh York. right. And then 11 happens. And at that moment, she realizes they do need to be together and get married. And so I like to think, wow, without not, like, yes, 9-11 was bad, but it also brought us newlyweds. So yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Well, thank you so much for yeah. talking with us about Jessica. This is so exciting. Do you have any final thoughts on Jessica? Did you leave the book feeling differently? What is your new perception of Jessica Simpson? The open book that she is. Um, okay. I like, le- I like shut the book and was like, I feel like she is a true angel and I like love her so much. I don't know. I couldn't like get, I, I get close to characters and like fiction. Even. <laughs> I was obsessed so with her. I really, and then I looked her up and I'm like, oh, she's a cancer like me. You know, she just, I, she is really not somebody I would probably ever be friends with just because of some of the, the way she lives her life in a little bit different way. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, maybe we could, you know, maybe I could just be at the house by the koi pond or whatever, you know, like hanging out with Jessica. Like I just, I had a lot of respect for her. I, mm-hmm. I loved that 
she took kind of, it seemed like to me the body shaming incident is what was a catalyst for her to create the more inclusive fashion lines. Like I think she's a true type of person that does like take the bad and, or like, you know, make lemonade with Mm -hmm. like, I think she's that type of person. Um, And anybody like that I can respect. And I just think she's, I think she's great. I think she's an angel and I think she's like (laughs) so talented and she should have gotten more. Well, I will say it's funny. I don't think there's a pop star. I don't know. My feeling on her is that, yeah, I feel like she's like almost a Kim Kardashian who instead of a sex tape had music. Like she had this talent that was her foray into pop culture. And then she took that and became a personality slash business woman. Yeah. I will say as much as I made fun of her while reading it, I also was like weirdly inspired by it. Like I, I really was obsessed with her. Like I kept on telling Claire, like, I can't wait to give you Jessica. Cause we like bought one book and I read it first and was like, God, I just can't wait to like give it to you. Like I can't, there was like this one line and I feel like because like living in New York and like moving so quickly, um, there's like this one line at the very beginning where she says like, everything's moving too fast, but you've created that speed. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, <laughs> like yeah. I am too busy and it's my fault. <laughs> I, I love that too. And I just, I really like it. May, I, I, I still think that my favorite part of the book was reading about her and Nick, Nick Lachey's relationship, like of the dynamic of the woman becoming more mm-hmm. successful yeah. and more famous and to, that she was younger. Like that was kind of, that was what was so crazy. Yeah. Um, that he was like not only older, like it was the dynamic there was so fucked for them as a couple. And I like, I still sticks with me, but she like came out of that. I mean, she just, she's been through a lot, you guys, you know? And I just also, I like, sorry, I know we're trying to wrap up. I, the honesty with which she talked about her father was pretty. That's what we're going to do another episode where we get like more deeper. But I fired, she fired her dad. She fired her dad. You know, like, he looks bad in it. I mean, and she's not afraid. And she seems to me, I felt like that was the only part of the book that felt unresolved. She feels still angry at him in a way that she didn't actually know how to like kind of siphon off and explain like everything else. I felt like even with the uh, molestation as a child, the alcohol, everything felt like she could look at it. She got to understand it. She knows what her anxiety is. She understood what went wrong with John Mayer. The father relationship still felt extremely fresh to me. Like she's still working on it in therapy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It left a few some questions unanswered for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. so I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I don't. I think like I, I'm sure everyone reading it like leaves it with like a newfound respect and appreciation mm-hmm. for her. Well, something we used to have a Britney Spears podcast, and um, something we found about Britney Spears was that like how much of her success directly came from her. And I find that mm-hmm. with pop stars, there's this interesting misogyny that happens that people, when they almost try to save women, they take away any idea that they could have succeeded. So with Britney Spears, I feel like people are always like, oh, she was just this poor sex puppet being forced to act like this by some genius man in a suit at the label who knew how to pump out money. And it's always funny. It's like, actually, everything that succeeded about Britney was her idea. So the idea to the fact that we're giving the cr- credit of her success to a man you can't even name is like kind of funny and misogynist because the hit me baby one more time video was her like everything the denim outfits were her anything that went viral so to speak was her idea Uh but Mm -hmm. we don't want to give her credit for that we think she was just some poor puppet and I kind of feel like you look at Jessica and it's like you have if she's not successful by accident right sure yeah she's successful because of the choices she made with her business and I think it's very easy to act like 
all famous women are just a pretty face with a machine behind them. But if that were true, they would have made Pia Mia and like all these like other- why won't Madison Beer pop off? Yeah. <laughs> like there's a lot yeah. of women who you're like, I mean, they could take, there's a million beautiful girls. And if all it took was a beautiful girl, there'd be a million famous people. But right. Don't. Yeah. And I hate, obviously I hate that narrative in the first place. I refuse to even like entertain it. <laughs> it's just like, uh, she's famous because she was talented. The end yeah. Of story. yeah, exactly. But there is this like idea that there's some man and it's like, okay, who's the man then? But I think, wasn't it like a woman that really helped her? I feel um, like she yeah, she it's like a, named Teresa was like the I one, like that part of that that was like that was oh the A&R rep yes that like kind of really helped a lot I love reading about like a I love that there was this like woman that was part of her success because you just think of the the music industry at that time it's just like a bunch of men in suits so I, know. I like yeah. it's so interesting that there's like this woman who believed in her so much that this woman was like I'm gonna find you like we're gonna fly you out you're gonna meet the label like who like really supported her. And then, like, the first time, like, a music industry, like, male is prominent, it's, like, Tommy Matolo squeezing her stomach and being, like, you got to lose 15 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Jessica was just never going to have apps. Like, it's just leave her alone, you know? Like, it, she should have been, like, she should have been, like, our body positivity queen back then, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they should just let her... And like even without abs, like she still was like so tiny and fit. Okay. And they were like, yeah, but like, why don't we see the lines? <laughs> like, yeah, like it's just, I just started thinking about like, just had so much like uh reflection about like bodies in general. And just, it was like, that wasn't her body type. Just let yeah. her live. <laughs> I mean, she had the biggest boobs of all time. Wasn't that enough for you freak? <laughs> Like, let her just have these ginormous breasts and lead with that. You know, right, they were like, you need, you need Janet Jackson abs. She's like, Janet Jackson needs Jessica Simpson tits. What? Yeah. You know, like, leave I mean, me alone. And they wanted her to dance. I mean, I do think, I came raised in this book and I felt like she was sympathetic, but I personally didn't like her. But I do feel that she is very knowable. Like, she does feel like a woman from Texas that you could meet if you went right now. Like, I do feel like I understand her and that she is somebody that you probably know someone a lot like Mm -hmm. with her desire to make everybody feel comfortable and make sure everyone's taken care of and like put the family on your back, but not give yourself credit for it. I do think she is like authentic in a way she can't hide. And if they had just let her be herself in the beginning, she probably could have had the music career that she wanted as she could have been a music mogul, not a lifestyle mogul. Mm -hmm. But their mistake was trying to turn her into something she wasn't. Yeah. And that we're lucky today that like authenticity is the most important thing like there's so much less of this like we need you to be in this box because it's not people see right through it and like people are getting famous on Instagram and on TikTok and on YouTube so there is no more like of that kind of we want you to be a Britney type yeah so it's like like, god what if they just would have like let her fly like what if like the stuff she would say in interviews how they were always like she needs to be PR trained like what if they just would have like let it rip I just would have like loved to see it I feel like she shouldn't have ever really been a pop star. I think she should have been like a country or like, you know what I mean? She should have yeah. been a God singer. I don't even know gospel. I don't know what that A God is. singer. <laughs> a singer of the Lord. Like she would have been so happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank sorry. you so much. Thank you. This is great. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you so much. I, I could do it. Thank you.